This is Rising Up with Sonali, and I'm your host, Sonali Kolhatkar. You can watch this program on Free Speech TV and listen to it on community and independent radio stations nationwide. The Brooklyn subway shooting on April 12th miraculously resulted in no deaths, although nearly two dozen people suffered injuries. While a massive manhunt for the shooter was underway, in the end, the suspect tipped police off and turned himself in. Still, that has not stopped corporate media outlets like the New York Times and Washington Post from using the shooting to shore up police talking points and claim that the incident justifies more policing. And across the country, liberal Democratic leaders are also taking tough-on-crime stances, forgetting the horrors of racist police brutality that had seemed so apparent to the entire nation only two years ago. San Francisco Mayor London Breed and L.A. mayoral hopeful Karen Bass, both progressives who had previously been critical of police, are demanding more resources for cops instead of communities. We turn to Alex Vitali, Professor of Sociology and Coordinator of the Policing and Social Justice Project at Brooklyn College. He has written about policing in the New York Times, New York Daily News, USA Today, The Nation, Vice News and more. His books include The End of Policing and City of Disorder, How the Quality of Life Campaign Transformed New York Politics. Welcome to the program, Alex. Thank you, Sonali. So first, let's talk about the Brooklyn subway shooting itself. Um, what to you did that incident make apparent about policing in New York? Well, certainly uh, we've seen a big increase in the number of police on the subway with the new mayor, Eric Adams. And of course, that that was not you know, did not play a role in preventing this from happening or leading to his quick apprehension. And even, um, you know, when there were folks down there with, with such serious injuries and stuff, it was medical workers, bystanders, civilians who, who offered aid. And the first police who arrived on the scene said their radios didn't work. And could the civilians please call 911 to get additional assistance in place? So I think it just points out this way in which we routinely overestimate the effectiveness of policing as a solution to our problems. And then what about the way in which the corporate media covered this um, story? The, fairness, the media watchdog group Fairness and Accuracy in Reporting had a great critique of the New York Times. And I've also seen the Washington Post basically say that, well, we've had rising crime and, uh, you know, it's uh, the, the implication was that this is what you get when you defund the police, which, of course, we haven't defunded the police, right? That's right. I mean, if anything, you know, the spending on transit policing had increased significantly. What has been defunded is community-based mental health services. And I think this is going to turn out to be, and, and we already have some pretty clear evidence, Another case of someone with pretty severe mental health issues who had come to the attention of, of criminal justice authorities previously and nothing was done to address their underlying mental health needs. The media, however, is, is largely committed to the politics of austerity, along with big city political leaders, everyone from Karen Basta, Eric Adams, to Lori Lightfoot, to London Breed continue to insist that all local government can do is subsidize the already wealthy 
in hopes that they'll be competitive on the global stage. And, and this has just produced tremendous inequality and budget cuts for you know, essential social services. And then those problems that have resulted from that have been turned into policeable problems. And, and this has just created a vicious cycle. It's very difficult for the layperson to see the, the the discourse on policing in our corporate media for what it truly is. Uh, many have used this term, copaganda, police, you know, uh, pro-police propaganda or copaganda that without evidence links shootings to um, the fact that maybe there's not enough police. You know, it's very insidious, isn't it? Because it's it's hard reading these headlines, especially when there's a lot of fear around the subway shooting uh, and other shootings or other stories of crime supposedly rising. It's really hard to tell copaganda from facts. It's There are a lot of factors that drive this conflation of policing and public safety in not just the mainstream media, but in our, our popular culture. You know, we've really just had this uncritical acceptance of this idea that policing is the only tool that, that's available to keep us safe. You know, part of this is just driven by the kind of inherent sensationalism of policing, this idea of, you know, this rapid emergency response with guns and everything that, that makes for great both uh, late night television and late night news, but also the, the news media have always cozied up to police to be a source of information because they do have this kind of 24-hour uh, engagement with the world. But I think ultimately what we're talking about here, right, is a kind of shared worldview. The media, which is, you know, or owned by multinational corporations, wants to frame the problems of American society as problems of, of individual and group moral failure that are best addressed through punitive interventions. Because the alternative would be to point out the profound market failures and government failures that are contributing to the problems we're experiencing. And of course, this is the last thing that the corporate media wants us to turn our attention to, because then we might start to demand that they pay their fair share of taxes, that they be properly regulated, things that are anathema to them. And so they continue to cozy up to a, a policing-centered worldview. There's also the sense that um, in order to boost police and the, justify the need for police, all of the rest of us have to sort of be criminalized. I'm, I'm thinking about, about a, um, an article in Politico that showed um, a homeless encampment when uh, instead of uh, talking of, you know, with, with the headline, crime upstages progressive priorities in Los Angeles mayor's race. And it's a picture of Venice Beach with a, an encampment of, you know, number of tents where unhoused people are living, which ought to be evidence of the failure of our housing policies. But somehow it is shown as evidence of crime. And the unsaid thing is that uh, unhoused people are criminals, right? The idea that government 
has some sort of ultimate responsibility for the safe and secure housing of everyone in our society is so antithetical to the interests of corporate America and this new class of billionaires that it's just considered beyond the pale to even discuss. So homelessness has been redefined not as being the result of market failures, but is the result of a kind of either criminal or disorderly class best managed by policing. And I think the, the objective for those of us on the left is to assert this idea that we have a right to housing and that government as it's currently organized has failed to deliver that and only offers us criminalization. What happened from two years ago? It felt like the the May 2020, May, June, July of 2020 um, protests, which were the largest mass protests in U.S. history. If you look at the numbers of Americans that marched over several months, you know, they did it during a pandemic. And it felt like such a turning point in the nation about seeing policing for what it was. Here we are nearly two years later. And you have, you know, the Wall Street Journal um, gleeful about San Francisco Mayor London Breed uh, saying that she has undergone a law and order conversion and she is now refunding the San Francisco police. Of course, again, the police were never defunded. Um, how, you know, is, is this the, the effect of, of successful propaganda again? Well, I think first it's important to point out just how significant the demands of 2020 were. The, the radical shift from demanding body cameras and community policing to what is essentially a direct attack on the central, almost bipartisan political consensus in the United States around tax breaks for the rich and austerity. And so the idea that the entire politics of the United States was going to be upturned as a result of a summer of protest, you know, what would have been inconceivable essentially. And, and no one in the movement, I think, really thought that's what was going to happen. What has happened, though, has not been some complete surrender to that austerity politics. In fact, what, what we actually see on the ground is, is maybe not the, the huge protest but the actual positive results of ongoing grassroots organizing. Dozens and dozens of cities have eliminated their school police departments. Dozens of cities are putting in place non-police mental health crisis teams. Dozens of cities are putting new resources into community-based anti-violence initiatives. And also, we see a lot of local city council members, county supervisors, state legislators getting elected on a new kind of vision about public safety that it's not rooted in policing. And I think we're going to continue to see more concrete investments in non-police public safety strategies that I believe over time are going to make it easier for us to point out the, the utter fallacy of relying exclusively on police to produce public safety. It's very disappointing to see someone like Karen Bass. Um, I'm here in Southern California. She is a staunch progressive. Uh, you know, I, when I first heard she was running for mayor, it was 
excitement um, to see a true progressive potentially, you know, take this position. And then here she is running against Rick Caruso, a, uh, a wealthy elite who, because he's running on a tough on crime platform, um, she feels the need to do the same. And, you know, they're neck and neck. In fact, he's one percentage point ahead of her in the latest polls. Do, do you feel that Democrats over and over again, when it comes time to, you know, they, they just sort of give in to the push from the right um, against accusations of tough on crime instead of pushing back and actually investigating what police have done, they just fall lockstep and try to outdo their Republican colleagues. Yeah, I was out in Los Angeles last week and and spoke to some folks in the in political circles there, and and I'm involved in efforts to to create some police free school districts out there and. There is a real disconnect, I think, between this organizing that's happening on the ground, the fact that there is a lot of data in polls, et cetera, that show that people want alternatives to policing, and the reality of high-level campaign donors and the mainstream media. And I think what we've seen is that Karen Bass, uh, Karen Bass's commitments to true progressive causes is pretty thin her unwillingness to kind of truly embrace this idea of developing public safety through creating strong, healthy communities is a real problem. And so I had a chance to meet with Gina Viola, who's running against her, from a much more clear alternative public safety point of view, a rejection of austerity politics. And I think that those of us on the left have to quit uh, engaging in this politics of voting for the least worst person uh, just because we think they might be slightly more electable than, than a, a deep conservative. And also in California, we have uh, a recall effort against a progressive DA, George Gascon, that is taking, uh, you know, that, that's increasing um, its, its in steam. And this is a right wing funded effort, but it is getting, you know, it, it's, it reminds me of the recall against Gavin Newsom. Um, at first, people will ignore it. And then suddenly it'll be upon us and it'll seem as though the recall effort will be on the ballot and 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 he could you know this progressive DA that that replaced a very regressive DA who refused to sh to hold um, police accountable Jackie Lacey um, <laughs> might end up being ousted. You know California shouldn't be like this um, on policing, and yet it seems to go this way. Well, any thoughts on the Gascon recall? Well, I just think this this points out the the failure of the political class to have a real uh, response to this this idea of, of austerity, that we just have no choice but to turn the economy over to the one-tenth of one percent. And, you know, Gascon is doing exactly what he said he was going to do when he was elected. And I think that, um, you know, he still has a lot of broad support in, in L.A. County for what he's trying to do. But we're always going to be up against these heavily moneyed interests with an authoritarian worldview because that serves their economic interests. So we have to be clear that this battle over the vision of public safety is not just a question for criminologists. It really goes to the center of American politics. And we need to build a criticism 
a deep critique of policing and incarceration and criminalization into any kind of left agenda. Um, and then even at the federal level, you have the Biden administration um, in their in, in the federal police, uh, I mean, the federal budget pour resources into uh, or recommend pouring resources into police. Uh, you know, these are these are Republican talking points that Democrats over and over again try to outdo Republicans on thinking that that's the way to get political support and then the corporate media of course steps in and reinforces those um any thoughts on 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 what biden is doing and how how do you think those grassroots organizers that have been seeing success who you cited before can push back against biden karen bass london breed etc yeah, well, you know, Biden is just doing what Biden has always done. He's always cozied up to police unions. He's always used criminalization to cover up regressive economic policies. You know, he's done absolutely nothing substantial to address the profound inequalities built into the American economy. And he's using policing to cover that up. So I think what we have to do is we we have to start you know, setting a high bar for those politicians we're willing to support that requires not just that they, you know, take a knee with some kente cloth around their neck, but that they have a real agenda for empowering the communities that have been most heavily impacted by mass criminalization, that they have a real economic agenda that's going to guarantee people right to basic dignity of, of housing and nutritional security and adequate health care. And the Democratic Party has made clear they have no intention of doing these things. Finally, Alex, your uh, book, The End of Policing, that I interviewed you about uh, on this program, received a massive boost thanks to Senator Ted Cruz, uh, who held up a copy of it during the uh, confirmation hearings of Justice uh, Ketanji Brown Jackson, how has that uh, helped renew some attention to, you know, the, to to countering the propaganda that we see? Well, I wouldn't say it has too much in the mainstream media be, beyond a, you know a little bit of press coverage of the event itself. I think that you know these ideas are circulating in heavily policed communities. There is organizing going on. And, you know, I remain busy trying to support efforts to develop non-police public safety strategies across the country. So to the extent that the, the book has been a tool for that movement, that's extremely gratifying. Uh, but, the, you know, I'm not in this uh, for, for the sales numbers or whatever. Uh, and I think that the mainstream media, once they had a, a, an understanding of what it was we were really talking about uh, in the summer of 2020, quickly realized that they were diametrically opposed to it and have sort of systematically excluded these ideas from, from mainstream media conversations. Well, Alex, I want to thank you so much, as always, for joining us today, and good luck to you. You're most welcome. Thank you. My guest has been Alex Vitali, professor of sociology and coordinator of the Policing and Social Justice Project at Brooklyn College, author of The End of Policing. I'm Sonali Kolhatkar. You can access this and other interviews on our website, risingupwithsonali.com, by becoming a subscriber. Find our audio podcast on iTunes and Spotify, and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at RU with Sonali.